0: The murder of Justine Valdez sent shockwaves across Ireland and remains one of the most baffling cases in recent memory. A native of the Philippines, young Jastine and her parents moved here to start a better life. But on that ill-fated day the 19th of May 2018, Jastine got off a bus in Enniskerry County Wicklow and was suddenly abducted. Her disappearance sparked one of the largest Garda manhunts ever ultimately ending in tragedy when her killer Mark Hennessy was located in a business park in Cherrywood two days later. Guardy shot and killed Hennessy after it was believed he may have been harming Justine and himself inside the car. A note was then discovered inside his vehicle that pointed officers toward a wooded area at Puck's Castle in Rat Michael, where Justine's body was ultimately found. To this day, Hennessy's motive for carrying out this horrendous crime has never been fully established. However, today, you'll hear for the first time the account of the senior guard who led that investigation. Former Detective Superintendent Frank Kenahan, a decorated officer of 40 years, today tells of his incredible efforts in leading the manhunt to find Justine and Hennessy the now-retired officer reveals for the first time the full extent of what it's like to investigate such a horrific crime, the impact it had on him, and his shocking thoughts on Hennessy's motive.
1: So, uh, May 2018, a young Filipina student called Justine Valdez, she was... I think she was at a, she'd was she been at a gym, hadn't she?
2: She'd been at the gym, and she'd been in the, the local spa shop, and she'd been... in. In and around there, yeah. In in, in or Bray,
1: wasn't it? Bray. In yeah. Bray. Yeah. And then she got a bus. Her family lived out in Enniscary. Mm. And she got a bus. And yeah. she was seen getting off the bus, I think, around 5 pm on the Saturday, the 18th of May, I think it was.
2: Uh, on the 19th of May, Saturday, 19th of May. No,
1: Saturday, 19th mm. of May. So Justine disappeared, and that, discess- that provoked really one of the biggest investigations in modern Garda history. You were the senior investigating officer. You were in charge of this investigation. Mm-hmm. So, how did it start for you?
2: I can't exactly remember how it started. Obviously, a phone call. Um, I think you know, Justin was very close to her mum, really close to her mum, and they kept in touch all the time. They were texting all the time, and um, so, um, and I think her parents, you see, were were working, and. You know, the expectation was that Jastine would be home by six. But they probably didn't get back into the house for a couple of hours after that. So it was late enough on the on the Saturday night when you know it was probably early Sunday morning when I got involved because I know that the the, the sergeant in charge on the, in Bray that night doing trojan work with his team. Um, but suddenly uh, a missing person uh, call came in, and, and I think you know from memory and I could be wrong here but uh, maybe not too far off the mark that maybe it was 8 or 9 o'clock by the time the parents got back in from they were working the local, in a local house yeah, yes. the, and and I think they probably didn't get back to 8 or 9 and maybe they were you know a bit shocked that Justine wasn't there because you know that would be uh, out of kilter for, mm-hmm. for her not to be there and I think then that they they made a missing person and, and then from, from that uh, it, it escalated, and um, I suppose I wasn't really told very much about it until maybe uh, very early on the Sunday morning. Like oh, five o'clock, six o'clock. Yeah, all right. So I came in, and, and then, and I suppose um, uh, your normal thing then is to to, to, to look at um, to what team you have around you, but. Uh, I suppose when I was, I did the I did uh, SIO course in, in Scotland, in Tuggyam in Scotland as well as in uh, the Garda College. Um, I remember when we came to the missing persons um, investigations and that, you know, you, they, the Brits, they, they talk about six hours, 12 hours, you know, diminishing returns on, yes. on all the rest. And I've always been kind of conscious of that. So mm. by the time I get in at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking, how many hours have gone? So I'm thinking, God, you know, the chances of of, of recovering mm. Justine, you know, well, and all the rest of are, are, we're really up against it here. We, we, we have a shorter time span now than Because it was effectively 12 hours that she'd been gone by the time you were yeah, on yeah. the scene. Yeah, so I, I, very, I was very conscious of that. So um, yeah, it, it was it was it was difficult to try and put together everything that was was happening. Then.
1: And when you walked in, what did the team have? Did they have, for example, and was there CCTV footage from the bus or for getting off the bus? Did you just have that at that stage?
2: Yeah. yeah and I'm very grateful to our, our our friends and colleagues there at Double Bus because um, as I as I, as I. As I we joke about it now, but uh, it, it, they're not used to being called out of the bed at six o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> you know, yeah. the manager did uh, get out of bed and did come in and, and, and retrieve that footage for us, and, <laughs> uh, and that's where we got the lead on the cash uh, the guy. Yes,
0: talk to us about that. I was just gonna obviously, it did it dawn pretty early on that this was an unusual case that she may have been abducted?
2: It was very difficult to believe that. You know, she was abducted, mm-hmm. but yet and all, she didn't go to a nightclub. She, she hadn't gone anywhere that she shouldn't have been. And you know, we, we, we had a kind of a putting together our profile on her very quickly, and could see that she was just a, a lovely young girl that could be any of our daughters. You know, she's just a, a lovely young girl and, and um, uh, very close to her mum and dad. And this was highly, you know, out of culture for her to be to be missing kind of like this. So. Um, do you, do you think of abduction? Do you think of whatever? Mm. You know, it's it's, it, there's, it's so many options.
0: Uh, yeah, that's why I'm wondering. Like even in the early stages of the investigation, did it seem this is unusual? This is yeah. this is not a normal no. missing persons case.
2: No, it's, it's not. And, and you get that kind of sense, and, and uh, that that's yeah, that there's something something that right. right. as I say we we're up against this here. Uh, yeah. There was there was. Time wasn't uh, wasn't on our side. wasn't our friend anymore. We were up against her, Yeah.
1: So, when you went in, or when you went into the, was it the incident room? You went in about six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Did you fear at that stage that she'd been murdered?
2: I felt at that stage um, that she would probably be held prisoner or hostage somewhere. I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't giving up. I was still hoping that she was alive.
1: And what, what you mentioned the cash guy—that was the cash guy driven by Mark Hennessy. Yeah. Talk to us what, what does the, the video show?
2: Yeah, the video showed basically the, the, the this cash guy following the bus and passing it, um, that's that's all we had really. Uh, we, we kind of knew the year, but we had to, we had a lot of cash guys then to eliminate, mm. and um, then having a look at the and. and it was the most popular-selling make of car mark or model of car mm-hmm. uh, that year. Um, so there was there was a lot of them around and there was a lot of them to go through. Mm-hmm. But it was only a glimpse of it, uh, and you didn't get a full reg uh, in, on the on the CCTV. Could you see any of the year of the reg? I See the year. Right. I think I, I think we got the year. Uh, I haven't researched now. I haven't looked at it now since. But I think we got the year of the car because I think that's where. That's where we started focusing that, that year of the, of the car. Does the video show Jazmin getting off the bus? Uh, it does, I think, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, uh, but I, I'm nearly sure. But when we had we had witness statements to say that she where she went after she got off the bus. We had witness statements to show her walking towards home. Uh, then we had uh, we had witness statements of the cash guy pulled up and. Um, I think there were two young people in that car with their mum, and I think they saw something on towards. So we had a we had an area then that we thought uh, that, the, it, that the cash guy had stopped to pick her up. So that obviously became a focus of attention. And massive searches carried on around that
1: particular area. If memory serves me right, I think that mother and their kids effectively saw Justine struggling in the back yeah. of the car trying to get out. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that your yeah. recollection? Yeah. So that's obviously a major red flag. Yeah. OK. How, and look, we obviously know who Mark Hennessy is now, I we'll come to his, what mm. happened to him afterwards, but how did you find the car? How did you identify the car and uh,
2: Mark Hennessy? I suppose... Um, we could count for a lot of the other cars, and when we called to Mark Hennessy's house, the car wasn't there. Oh. So that was a, a kind of a, don't throw all my eggs in one basket, but this is looking like, mm-hmm. you know. And then when we actually talked to his wife, uh, Mark had the car, and he was out. And then maybe at you know, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, you would expect him to be at home, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um when did so, he uh, she had uh, his wife when did she last see him I recall seeing him? He had gone out she had come home that evening and he had gone out. Okay. And hadn't come back. So that was before, obviously around four o'clock? Yeah. And then maybe four or five, six four well what time was the was it, just, I think yeah, it was I think half half well, five. Yeah, was it? Four, four and a half hours he was going out okay. and he went out and, so
1: by maybe ten o'clock, do you think you have your man?
2: Yeah, by ten o'clock. Uh, yeah, I think we have more ice and no sign of him. And we're we're not getting a lot of cooperation from places that we think we should be getting cooperation. Um, so we're we're there trying to send messages out to him and that. And at uh, this stage, we are talking to uh, his family, and I'm, I'm very conscious that uh, Mark's family, because his mom and dad and brother and that are absolutely salted. They are lovely people. Really, you know decent, honest-to-God, hard-working people. And but, so, were you,
1: was it you, or were people in your team, were you, Were they ringing, I presume you had Mark Hennessy's number, were you ringing him, were you texting him, what was we're happening ringing
2: there? We were we were calling to where he worked last, and um, we were uh, looking for all the haunts that he might hang out in, and we, with the we knew there was a family gathering uh, later on that day, on Sunday and, and we were watching that, and... We were circulating the number at that stage, and um, you know, While we had other avenues of investigation, also to deploy team, teams, teams um, on that was one of the, the, the leads that we were following up. Yes,
1: yeah, so I remember the media effectively got involved on the Sunday morning. I think there may have been a missing person appeal put out by the, the Garda Press Office, and it very quickly became a massive story. I mean, <clears throat> it's a major investigation for you, but from us, for us, it blew up as a massive investiga- massive story, and you were at the eye of that storm. Were you insulated? Did you feel pressure? What's it like to be under so much scrutiny, because you were?
2: I suppose um, the first thing in a major investigation is to gather a good team around you. And the second thing is to stick to the Garda system, which always, which works. Um, And after that, then you have to develop a relationship with the family and, and do your very, very best for them. And um, I suppose the media are, you know, th- come third or fourth yeah. or fifth down the line, and um, they play a, a huge role in when you need information circulated. Yeah. But sometimes there's a thing called unique knowledge, which you don't want circulated. And you have a close knit team around you, and you're saying what stays, what goes on in this room stays in this room. Yeah. Um, so we. Sometimes they're very reticent about talking to the media um, and you have to think about what you want to say to the media and then when you say what you have to say you invariably are swamped with uh, dozens of questions and then you're so circumspect you're saying I can't really answer that, I can't really answer this, I'm asking them for help but I'm not prepared to do this, I'm not prepared to to answer them on that. So you build up this kind of roadblock with the media. So you have to
1: nurture that. I thought it was smart, effectively the superintendent did the talking and your team was beefing away in the background. Is
2: that how it works? That's how it works. And that's how it should work. And that's that's ideal because the superintendent comes into the exit room, uh, you brief the superintendent about where you're going. What's happening in other words. and all of it, and the chief superintendent, the, the divisional officer, as well, uh, because he has to keep the assistant commissioner and the commissioner um, uh, uh, up to speed as well on, on all of these investigations. Um, and these investigations are, you know, so fluid like every hour is a, is a new update. So, there's, those lines of communication have to be maintained at all times. But the superintendent comes in, and whether it's the superintendent from the press office or whether it's the district officer, and ideally, it should be the district officer because. The district office is so immersed and involved in that, Mm -hmm. and he's playing a dual role, or he or she, uh, with members of the public, the family, and all the rest, reassuring everybody that this is all being taken care of, Mm -hmm. uh, because the SIO doesn't really have the time to come out and start taking on this role as well. so this is an ideal role for the divisional for the district officer or divisional officer. But is it
1: fair to say, Frank, was this a race against time in your mind?
2: Oh, absolutely. And as I, you know, as, as I said, the, the, the sort of the diminishing returns in that six hours, twelve hours—it's like the lessons learned from Madeline McCann, you know, and, and it's it's a, the, the, it's it's a thing that I, I studied in as I say in Tuliaan, with the uh, say of course there this this uh, sort of diminishing returns of, of, of uh, success. Obviously, this is a race against
1: time, Frank. Mm. We've spoken about that. When, in your heart of hearts, as a detective inspector and as a human, did you think Justine was dead?
2: I think sometime on Sunday afternoon, um, when there was no sign of Mark Hennessy, um yeah. You know, yeah, I kind of was hoping because I'm an optimist that I wasn't right, but at the same time I kind of knew that time wasn't time wasn't a friend. That, that you know, the, the, the more the hours clocked down clocked by, passed by, that uh, it was more than likely that it wasn't going to. But it, it wasn't going but to.
1: But it was a race against time for you. It was a race against Personally, time. Personally, you were you knew you were up against the
0: clock. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry, I might be going back a little bit, but you mentioned that there was information that was put out in the public domain and there was information that was being held back for obvious reasons. What did you know at that point in time that, say, we, the general public, didn't know?
2: I am saying, I'm saying in, in the course of investigations, hmm. there are all, always bits and pieces that you Of course, yeah, yeah. But in this one, hmm. it was all cards. In, ah, okay. It was, all, was... It was all cards right. were open and, 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 right. and because... Uh, for the simple reason, uh, the race was against time. The race was to find Mark Hennessy, to find that uh, cash guy, and we found the cash guy. Justine, obviously, we thought would be in it. And we'll come to that.
1: Um You mentioned, sorry, we met just to go back again. You mentioned that there were efforts to contact Mark Kennedy at yeah. this time. He'd been essentially, he was the chief suspect yeah. at this stage. Yeah. Um, what happened? Was his phone off? Did it ring out? Or had- his phone
2: was on and off from time to time. I suppose, you know, we had to. The wherewithal the to ping the phone and that, and, mm. and it was, he, was, he was on and was off. Were, one stage he was on Pilani Beach, and I think some, some friends of his or some family of his met him and they tried to, to um, talk him into giving himself up, and that's when he drove really? off. Um, but we, the, the big problem was that there was a Red Bull event in Dulnery that Sunday, and there was something like 75,000 people extra. In the in Dunlady area, so the phone mass that we're handling an enormous volume of of uh, phones. So, you know, we, you know, when have a situation where uh, mass are handing over because they're full. We have had uh, situations where looking at missing persons where mass are handing over from Holt over to Donleri and vice versa because of the the, the signal skimming across the water. So. Uh, we had to sort of take it with a pinch of salt when when you when you have a location there, say because is the mast actually is that the mast or is it because of the volume of people? Yeah, and he was he was believed to be in the Dunleary area. Right. So we had one or two. We one site. We one thing in Bray, but it wasn't it wasn't there. So presumably it was the Dunleary one handing over to Bray. So
1: if I remember correctly, the guards did release. Details about the cash guy, but they didn't yeah. release Hennessy's name. That, is, is that, or did they release Hennessy's name at, at, the, at the full on Sunday before the incident happened? We'll talk about
2: it. Yeah, well, I, I think releasing the the, the uh, registration number of that of the cash guy was, you know, in, in, in on scale things, it's something that we wouldn't normally do, but mm. because of the race was against China, because it, there was a life, you know, depending on it, uh, I took the decision that this registration be. Released. Did you consider releasing his photograph or his name? I think we possibly did uh, release them. I, I just can't remember. Was there a description of... of, of yeah, the... I can't be sure of the timeline. Mm.
1: But did it come into your mind, we're going to release Kennedy's details? Because he was the suspect, or is that
2: because the guards don't really do
1: that? Was that a hard choice for you?
2: Well, it would be a hard choice if... if um, See, I have to think about a, a robust case in court. So, does it stand the test of. So, uh, what would these defence people say if you released his name? Uh, you know, you were, you, were, you were trying him in public before he was even. you know? So, you have to think and consider all of the options and consider, consider the consequences and the unintended consequences of all those decisions that you make. So, by the
1: Sunday afternoon. It really was the number one story in Ireland, and it was quite frenetic, and there were... How many guards would have been involved in the case, in the investigation? Yeah, it was...
2: That was... um, There was quite a few because what you had there was the eastern region, which was Bray, and then you had the the DMR from Tulare, the DMR East. So you had whatever resources they had in the DMR East that they were able to deploy on it, and then you had uh, whatever resources we had from from, uh, the eastern region. From bringing that, so there was a considerable number of, of personnel involved in this investigation. It was high profile. It was life and death.
1: And because it was life and death, did you feel under more pressure?
2: You always feel under pressure to deliver on these. You always feel under pressure when you're leading a team. You always feel under pressure that to listen to what everybody is saying to you. Um, there's always. Hindsight is great with the 2020 vision, So you only get the one chance at at doing this. So you have to make sure that all of the avenues are covered, that every lead is followed up on.
1: Okay, so you got, effectively there was a large break, the, the major break. I think around seven o'clock on Sunday, after, Sunday evening. I ask a question before. We oh yeah, make go that on.
0: Because sorry, you just you, we'll, mentioned, we'll you mentioned something that was news to me. Maybe it wasn't news to you, but the the interaction in Kalani with a family member and that there was actually an attempt to tell him to hand himself in. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Like, did he actually say anything, or did he just drive off? He or just drove it? off.
2: He didn't right. really. Uh, he didn't really entertain them.
0: Right, and was um, that arranged? As in, a family member had contacted them on the phone, and they uh,
2: met? obviously, obviously, yeah, yeah. and. Um, and we didn't get to hear about it for an hour or so later. So at that stage... Um, so there was no Garda presence, obviously, within the area? No, there wasn't. And and, um, okay. uh, and as I said, like, there was an inordinate amount of people in there, so in, in the dundeeirri talky area. So driving around was just like a chock-a-lock. Mm. Okay. And the location
0: of Justine at that point... Would, uh, uh, was there a fear that she was there in the car with him at that point, or well, you know it was not known.
2: It would be it would be reasonable to assume, but mm-hmm. you couldn't, you know, take yeah. all your all your hopes on it. But it would be reasonable to assume that she was either in the boot of the car or on the, or on the back seat or whatever. But um, I suppose what I took from that chance of meeting with these family was that. Justine wasn't in the car. Right, right.
1: So Sunday evening, I think around 7 p.m. Yeah. Did, did, I think the story I remember at the time was somebody recognised the car and called the Guardian. Yeah. Is that the
2: case? Yeah, it was It was somebody had picked it up, up from one of the social media feeds, okay? Um, like, not the TV, uh, whatever. So it was interesting, you know, where people get their information because for years and years, like you wonder you're circulating this information and you're saying how many people am I reaching on TV how many people am I reaching on radio Well, you're reaching so many people on social media as well so this was either on Facebook or, or Twitter or um, Instagram or whatever so uh, to my uh, to the best of my knowledge this, uh, this person picked it up on social media and suddenly found themselves behind it behind a cash guy and rang it in. So, 999. Uh, 999, 112, whatever. So, uh, as a result of that, um, we had the. Obviously, we had the mobiles, resources out and about all the time, so we were quickly on the scene. And uh, the the cash guy was followed into um, the car park there at uh, Cherrywood. That's an industrial city, but just whoop, when you. Heard about this.
1: What were your thoughts? What went through your mind? Because I'm really interested to know that when you thought, right, we've got him. Did you think you had him?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I know I was in Bray at the time in the incident room and I got the call and uh, straight out into the car and and, um, uh, uh, as quick as I could to to Cherrywood. I remember it was a a wet evening and, uh, um, yeah, we were just thinking that when... The way he drove into the car park and tried to conceal the cash guy, um, yeah, there was a reason to believe that Justin was in the car at that stage. Well, it was, it was. You'd wonder. You could be forgiven for thinking she's in the car at that stage because of the way he was uh, trying to conceal the car. Well, the well, car well, what park. did he do? Kind of a, he went into the car park and turned right, and he was behind some. Trees and some shading in that there, so he was he was kind of offside. Now he could have be been offside just for his own protection, but um, it was like as if he was taking evasive action because he seemed to. I think he copped the woman following him, and I think when 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 the guys came in, they were sort of looking around, and suddenly he copped him over on the right hand side. So it, they it would be. I was hopeful that that uh, yeah, she was still in the car. You believed she was, did you? I did. I believed that she was in the car. I believed he was after collecting her, and she was in the car. And then I didn't. I didn't speculate on whether she was, you know, on what condition she was in. But mm-hmm. but uh, maybe he had gone back to get her, or maybe he had. Now he was. Um, maybe now he was just going to dispose of the body or whatever. So um, it was. It was. It was hard to know. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? So I arrived on the scene. Um, Mark Hennessy had been—he um, uh, was out on receiving uh, first aid uh, by uh, the ambulance crew, and um, he was conscious. He had uh, been shot by a detective. He had been shot by a detective, and that—that that was a there was a separate hearing into that, and, and, and all. Of you know, uh, everything everything that happened there was correct and proper, and and and, and um, um, yeah, I, I don't particularly like talking about because it, it brings back memories for. Yes, yeah, but it is like important that, what to he say. was. He he was totally absolutely 100% in what he did.
1: And it is important to say that the GSOC, the garda sheik yeah. Ombudsman Commission, carried out its own investigation into that yeah. and as a result there were no charges. No, to, that no, okay. no, no. Okay. no. So no. in your mind, and obviously GSOC, you believe yeah. it was,
2: uh, I think the Americans would call it righteous, it was the right thing to do. Absolutely right thing to do. Um, so when, when I arrived, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Mark was, was on the ground being, being, being treated and um, uh, I know that uh, one or two of the um, ambulance people were there uh, imploring him to tell us, you know, where was, where was she? Uh, but um, was, there was no no response, no reply.
1: Did you see him alive? I did, yeah. Was there any? Did, was he saying anything? Was there no. any sign of? Uh, he was alive, but was there any? You know, was there any sign of life from him? If you know what I mean?
2: No, he he was he was, he was on the 85, right? And um, he was. Um, uh, we didn't know that, um, you know, that the trajectory of the bullet had, you know, had... He, he, like, he was, sh- he was shot in the shoulder, but the, 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 the trajectory of the bullet had kind of... It turned once again. hit a bone turned.
1: But it is fair to say, you said it there, emergency service personnel were effectively begging him to say where Jassy yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. That
2: must have been gut-wrenching. It was, actually, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of. Um, it was so disappointing. It was so uh, like we, had, like we, like we hadn't stopped all day long. We, we we just kept going all day long, and this was you know I was hoping like look in the boot of the car. There, Chastine would be in the boot of the car. Mm-hmm. Boot open, no sign of
1: you, you Talk to us about that.
2: Did you open it, or was it another detective? I think one, one of the lads had had opened the boot. Right. It was there. It was open.
1: So, oh, yes, because they wouldn't mess around if she's in the boat they yeah, need to get her out.
2: Absolutely.
0: I, I think we should. Uh, I know maybe I'll say it if you don't, but I, just the facts of, of the case, and this has been established, from I correct in saying that obviously he had been shot and there was a belief that possibly he may have been harming someone in the vehicle at the time that she may
2: have been being harmed yeah, or of. I think maybe that he, he was actually going to uh, harm himself as well Right, like he was,
1: yeah So that's that's effectively, I know you said uh, yeah. the, the officer has been, detective has been yeah. cleared and most, you said it was yeah. the right thing to do can you, would you mind, can we talk about the, the actual incident of the shooting? Because a lot of people wouldn't probably know what happened you know, how
0: he was what, understand what the happened. reason why it had to Happen, I suppose. Yeah, but yes. in the general public. If
1: you, if you don't mind, Frank, just we just need to tell people what happened. My understanding is it was a the first person, the first guard on the scene was a uniform guard, and then the armed detectives came mm-hmm. along, and then he was shot.
2: Yeah. What? what,
1: it, what it, and again, Gisak was cleared. In your mind, why was he shot?
2: Well, he was reaching. Um, I, I I don't want to do disservice <laughs> to my colleague there, and here, but he was reaching for. What he believed was a knife or a weapon or whatever, and and, and I think that um, there may have been a suggestion that uh, Justine was on the floor and that he was going to uh, stab her before he gave himself up. So um, and he had plenty; he gave him plenty of opportunity to get out of the car. I mean, he could see what was in front of him and and, and, and to, to, to get out of the car, but he was uh, he obviously wasn't going to. Um, so, Gardy repeatedly asked oh, to go to yeah, the car. Yeah, he was given several opportunities to get out of the car.
1: And then the officer had to fire the shot because yeah. he, I presume, presuming, I think, you know, I mean, this isn't, you know, controversial, he believed there was an imminent risk yeah. to Justine. Yeah. Because of the way that Mark yeah. Hennessy was moved. Yeah. Okay. You,
2: you,
1: your colleagues checked the boat. You realise she's not there. Yeah. What's your reaction?
2: I was gutted. I mean, I was absolutely, um, I remember just thinking, God, you know, where else would he would could he possibly have brought her? Mm. Um it was just back to square one. It was just located the car, located Mark, not sound adjusting, my you know, my number one goal, and it was it was, it was it was it was it was it was difficult down at that scene.
1: And did that we 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 have you have said that you had a maybe a belief or a suspicion that she was dead. When she wasn't in the car as far as you were concerned, she yeah, was dead. Yeah. So you, you knew then effectively she was dead. Yeah. How did that affect you?
2: Yeah, well I hadn't achieved I had achieved my goal and bearing in mind I had met her parents and I told her we'd do our very very best and I told the team we'd do our very very best and there's no doubt about it. Everybody gave a shoulder to the wheel, everybody gave a hundred percent. And it's difficult uh, when you um, – that like we weren't to know then that within uh, the very uh, small space of ours from when she was abducted that like Justine was were murdered anyway. We weren't to know that. Like by 11, half 11 that night, she probably was murdered. Mm-hmm. Well, that was, that's a
1: question going to ask later on. But so there were effectively – there were two – once Hennessy was – did he die at the scene? He did, yeah. OK, so once Tennessee had to, was deceased, there were two mm-hmm. issues. That scene had to be preserved, and there was yeah. an investigation into that. Yeah. But at the same time, you were still, is it, is it fair to say frantically, searching for Justine?
2: Yeah, that scene had to be preserved. And of course, there's a GSOC investigation come along as well because of the, the shot So we had to disclose every single thing um, along the way with, uh, with, with uh, GSOC, who are who oversight into everything we do. And so the scene had to be preserved for 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 that reason and for the, the proper investigation. Right. But the, the, the search for Justine was still ongoing. And
1: you, you made a decision to send up the helicopter at that stage, did you?
2: Um, as a kind of a like when I um, went back to the uh, back to the station, back to Bray, and um, just. Sitting down, figuring it out. Where are we going here? What else? What, what else can we do? How else? Like we, we've known all these favorite spots. We interviewed everybody we could possibly get our hands on, and um, yeah, I, 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 telephoned the guys in in, um, in the air support wing, and uh, I was just throwing it around with them. Look, um, you have a heat seeker on the, on this thing. On this, on the helicopter, and um, so maybe if you could fly over uh, Cherrywood, where the car park was, and then up to the surrounding area there, um, that maybe you could have a look and see if there's anything, any sort of body or you know, pick up source of heat that we could that we could have a look at and see. Would
1: would, would a body? a dead body still go off
2: a certain amount of heat was yeah. that your hope yeah well yeah a dead body would still have a certain amount of heat and we had to locate the body anyway one way or another and um, I'd already been making uh, arrangements uh, to put search teams together first thing, first lines uh, but I thought that uh, we'd just get ahead of the posse and see if we could um, detect some sort of um, sources of heat up around the area mm. and I remember um about half twelve uh, that nice the area. Before. Morning. Um, the guys in the chopper were ringing me, and I uh, said, "Look, we're we're detecting several heat sources around here, at every fox and whatever oh, in the area. Yeah. But we don't detect anything. And bear in mind, Justine was such a small, you know, uh, petite. Yeah, petite petite, petite uh, uh, girl uh, who was probably curled up in a ball anyway. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's half twelve and they were, they were running out of fuel and they said, look, Frank, we're going to have to call this. We're going to have to... So, uh, that was... That was uh,
1: and that would have been the, the rough area where, we'll talk about yeah. this, where her body was found yeah. the next day. So, um, Monday, Mark Hennessy is killed on the Sunday, shot dead on the Sunday. The hunt for Justine is continuing the Monday. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that the car would have been... Sealed off. So, but then there was something found in the car. There was a note.
2: Yeah, there was there was a note found in the car. When was that? Do you can you remember? Well, with the scenes of crime people, right? Would find it, but
1: it was blood salt. Right. But just to explain, you know, all the guardia at the scene would have moved away from the car because yeah. it has to be sealed off. Absolutely. So it's the with the scenes of crime officers yeah. who go in and do the. So that's a big search the next morning, Monday morning, yeah. really. Yeah. Okay. So what happened?
2: Well, that that note uh, was found, but um, again, it was another deflating moment because it was blood salt. Right. So we had to figure a way of um, deciphering that. So again, it was a trip up to our our good friends and colleagues in the forensic bureau. Another big ask of them, saying, "Okay, reinvent the wheel here, guys. See what you can do." Mm. Uh, and in fairness to them, they they, they come up with American and they, uh, as usual, and they. Um, they found some way of uh, dissolving the blood and coming up with the, with the note
1: there, there, there was a lot of personal stuff in the note yeah but there was also my understanding is he, did he effectively said Justine's body was in a place called Puck's Castle mm. where is that
2: in relation to cherrywood it's actually when you when we got up to puck's Castle we were actually overlooking cherrywood and overlooking the car park and it turns out it was one of his favorite spots or singing spots so uh, we went up um, we went up there early and I had arranged for the, um, well, actually, the, the uh, division officer had to go through the division officer, had arranged for the army, wing of the army, to come out. And we'd used the army before on searches, and um, they're absolutely superb. They cover so much ground and what, what they do is this. It's brilliant what they do. So anyway, we had, uh, we had the army on standby, and we had our own search teams on standby. But uh, I remember walking up with the division officer, and... Um, which is what we would call a chief superintendent. Chief superintendent yeah, and, and a, a member of his, his, his uh, staff, and uh, um, she found uh, Justine's purse on the way up to on um, to the right. So, sort of an undergrowth was it? Uh, it was kind of thrown off the main off the beaten path. Right. In fairness, in fairness, the, the, the way she spotted it. And of course, when we spotted that, we said, well, we're we're, we're zero, we're very close. So um, we went back down, and um, between the jigs and the reels, with all the stuff we were doing, we briefed uh, both our own search team and the army. And um, it was just uncanny, really, how it happened. But the army set off on the left, and the car set off on the right. And one of the guards, for some strange reason, uh, zeroed in on a particular spot. Walked down through the gorse, and he found the body in, in, a, in conditions that, it, if we had to do a methodical search on it and start with the briar cutting machines and all of the uh, knives and tools that we used to cut away the to cut away gorse, it probably would have taken us, um, you know, a couple of days. But. Uh, I think he had a kind of a country background himself or whatever, but he noticed something out of the way and he walked down, and I would say from here to the wall there, and turned right and there was a body in there. And I remember having to bring the state pathologist down to the scene and you know, we kind of pushed the gals back a bit, but it was still hazardous in walking down. And probably somebody would say to you, oh, with health and safety you should have had ropes going down there and whatever, but anyway, he went down and he, and he found her there and it was just amazing, just so, so quickly, you know.
1: What were your emotions when you find her?
2: Well, you think of the mum and dad and say, look, uh, it's, it's, you recover the body. Um, they're never going to get closure on it, but if you didn't recover the body, it would be just so traumatic, so much, so much more traumatic. I mean, how traumatic is it losing your daughter? But if you don't find the body, and mm-hmm. uh, then they're always expecting a knock on the door, say, you know? So it was, it was, um, it just comes with the terrain, yeah, just have to... Um, Did she look
1: at peace? Mm-hmm. Did she look at peace? I know that may be a weird question, but... You know, some bodies can sometimes look at peace when they're gone.
2: Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, It's it's really difficult to know. I I I don't know. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, Why do you think he did it?
2: I have absolutely no idea. I mean, it would appear that he had seen her at the bus stop for whatever and, and had he seen her there before uh you know we, we had gone through all our databases not just to see had he ever come up in anything like this before no he hadn't um, and then to see the car following the bus and passing out the bus and then waiting for her in, in ellis the and then following her up along in ellis so he obviously had seen her before and was he infatuated with her? Is that possible? Do you think he was? Quite possibly. She was a very stunning, a stunning uh, girl. So, um, so, so,
1: just to get this right in my head, do you think he saw her at the bus stop in Bray? T- yeah. And followed her from Bray. Yeah. He, d- he decided to take her in Bray and follow her. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So there's obviously an indi- There were indications that he was infatuated with her. In maybe somewhere.
2: he was. Maybe he was infatu- infatuated with her. Um, why did he pick her over anybody else? Why did he overtake her? Why did he go from Bray to and scaring after? Why did he follow the bus? Why did he How far is that? It's like that ten miles. Well, it's the guts of um, seven or eight miles.
1: I did not know. So he followed her from Bray mm. and overtook the bus. Yeah. So he so if he overtook the bus, he must have known where she was getting yeah. off. Yeah. So he must have seen her before. Yeah. Wow. That's is that your belief that he? I believe he saw her before. Yeah. And decided to take her. When, mm. my God, because we thought it was a spur of the moment thing. Random. Mm. So it wasn't random. What's your your important thought is more important than mine. You don't think it was random, obviously.
2: I think he, my 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 uh, my impression is that he had seen her before, and you know I think that maybe. Maybe he had followed her once before, because he—I get a sense that he knew her movements. Gosh. So, are you saying he had done a dry run? i, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that—if that's the case, um, because it's very hard to put um, to try and put an explanation to it. Okay. A and
0: then, may, may I ask, I know we mentioned the note and there were personal things in it, so obviously there was no confession in the note of any no.
2: description.
1: No. There was no apology? I, I didn't, I haven't, I
2: haven't read the note in so okay.
1: long. Okay, okay. Oh no, no, that's fine. Right, Frank, we're only going to keep you a couple more minutes because this is just brilliant. I haven't, and, I haven't read the note in so
2: long, uh,
1: you know, okay. No, no, there's no problem. Tell me, do you think Hennessy committed other crimes like this?
2: No, I don't believe he has.
1: So, so he went from not to hundred? Yeah. And his motive
2: was sexual? Well, I'm presuming that it was, but, um, yeah, it, it would be so much easier um, if you come in Sunday morning and uh, you are running down through the list of people who aren't guys, and you see, suddenly you see, oh, this is a, a guy who has, um, who has reared his head above the parapet before, for want of a better word. And um, you say that, that makes things so much easier. But when you're actually dealing with somebody who has never featured before, then because it makes it that much more difficult.
1: Because you mentioned you know that area, Boston Glass, and obviously that brings to mind Larry Murphy and all. You know the, the missing women, the triangle, mm. and all. Did you ever consider him, or did any...? Did, no. They never considered him for Operation Traeus, no. retrospectively. No. So
2: you're satisfied he wasn't involved I'm in anything? I'm satisfied, yeah, and, and, you know, we, we, I actually had, you know, done the inquiries there uh, and put his name forward and his DNA and all the rest forward, and you know, know. Wow. no. So he, he
1: became infatuated with this lady that he had seen at least once before, followed her at least once, saw her and decided to follow her for seven or eight months and then take her.
2: Well that's the best theory okay. out there because I don't want to create a panic among women either and because you can see the debate is going on but women getting on um, and I'm saying women getting on buses after dark and things like that and you know uh, it's difficult enough time without sort of putting that out of it as well for, for people.
0: Yes. Um, well, I, or I suppose people would have wondered and speculated without evidence after this that, you know, given the planning and whatever he seemed to put in it, that uh, perhaps he had the M.O. that he'd done it before. But as you say, you'd looked into that and it, there was no evidence to suggest no. that. No. Okay.
1: What do you think happened? As in, you know, there's obviously, we know he took her at half five. We know he was shot dead around half seven. I think about four o'clock on the Monday, uh, roughly that time. I know it was the early the afternoon that he was, he was found, but there's a huge gap. Huge gap. What do you think happened? What's your best? I'm not going to say guess. What's your estimate as the senior investigating officer who knows the case? What happened? What do you think happened?
2: Well, I think that he, he took her. I think he brought her up to Foxhatch um, that direction and. Um, I think that he assaulted her, and uh, well, sexually assaulted her. More than likely, yeah. And uh, I think uh, at that stage he probably took her life. Uh, and then uh, he came. We, we we have him uh, on CCTV in one of the local pubs uh, later that night, and acting like as if uh, nothing happened, nothing a care in the world. So I, I do believe that that's, uh, at that stage that um, he yeah, had taken Justine's life.
1: Is that comprehensible that someone could kill somebody and then go out in a lash? Does that is that not to me? It sounds shocking.
2: Yeah. Is it shocking for you? It, it's hard to believe. It, it, it's hard to believe, but and it, it does a void there in the absence of not actually knowing what went on. Yeah. Um, he did appear to be taking some a substance and he did appear um, you know to be uh, to, nothing's wrong just out of on the night. So it's it's very hard to explain.
1: Now um, I presume you know the forensics and the pathologist in the postmortem mm. probably would have established the time of death. So you think it was within an hour or two of her kidnapping do you?
2: It's very hard to establish um, the actual precise time of death uh, when a body has been left out in the open um so you're not in room temperature you don't have that the body temperature um uh, cooling down at a at, a, at a normal rate you have a you have the body cooling down depending on the mm. temperature the ambient temperature outside and whether the raining and whether it's whatever so it's very hard to pinpoint an exact time of death but you but would it be fair to assume that
1: he was obviously was out on, the, on, the, on the lash mm. on the saturday evening so mm. She was dead before that. It was that was that. It was within a couple of hours, effectively, of the kidnapping.
2: We have never come across um, a room or a shed or someplace, a cell or whatever, that you would hold a body. Mm. So, to my to my way of thinking, it's not as if she was handcuffed or bound and gagged and tied up in a particular room or shed or lockup, because um, we haven't come across anywhere mm. like that. So. In the absence of that sort of um, set up, that sort of evidence, my, to my, my way of thinking is that he had taken her up to Cook's Castle for, for close to where she was, her body was located, and uh, whatever happened while they were there, uh, that she was assaulted, sexually assaulted, and then I think that uh, in order for him to leave that area, go down and have a few drinks or whatever, uh, why run the risk of leaving her alive that she could raise the alarm, finger point at him. So that's 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 uh, a sort of another way of looking at it. It's Maybe the most ask it
0: it's the best theory. Yeah really the strongest theory. Yeah. it's a difficult question to ask but did she have defensive injuries, was there evidence that she fought for her life?
2: I can't really comment on it because I, I, I haven't read the, the, yeah. the in so long, I, well, yeah. I, I obviously still in detail at the time, yeah. but there was all sorts of injuries on her, but there was injuries of being dragged on her back, there was injuries of the, her arms, but then the gorse and all the rest as well, so there was, there was all sorts of injuries on her. I mean ask you, it's more just
0: asking your personal opinion, but based off his actions, do you think he was a psychopath?
2: No, I don't. I don't think he was a psychopath. No, there's really? no evidence right. to suggest he's a psychopath, and from talking to his parents and his and, and, and his friends and that, there's, there is no evidence of you know being, of him being a psychopath. So this was something that was
0: possibly sexually motivated, and that he was had a fascination with this one particular person. That's the, the theory.
2: Maybe he had a fascination with her or whatever, and maybe he just didn't think it through. Mm. But he had seen her before. But it would appear that I would think that I would. I would be fairly confident that he had seen her before.
1: And obviously he must have, because he to overtake the bus, to go and I presume presume he stopped around the bus stop, so he must have known she was going to get off there. So that's a very strong indicator
0: that he knew her. Yes. Wow. Incredible. Was that the most difficult case for you, or is it hard to contextualise it in that way, but it certainly was a a difficult case for you to investigate and to be involved
2: in? Look, they're, they're all difficult cases. I, I think I told you, I went down to uh, Arcloaf to uh, a murder investigation there, and one of the teams said to me, where are we going with this? Mm. And I said, uh, the locals will, will, will offer this guy up within, within a couple of days, and right enough, that's the way it, it happened. Um, I can I could I'll tell you about other other investigations we're on, and every one of them are difficult because you have you have a family there that are, are more or less holding you accountable. Yeah. Um, you have the public, you have the media, mm-hmm. and if you miss a step along the way, you can't really reclaim that. Yeah. So they're all difficult. They're all they all bring their own degree of difficulty with them. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't like talking about a lot of them is because you form a bond then with their the family and their the friends and you promise them that you do the very best for them. And at the end of the day, that's what you, that's what you do. I think that's a good place to leave it. Frank, that was Thank absolutely fine.
1: Thanks Thanks enough for your time. Gripping, absolutely gripping. And we really appreciate your time.